what's up, what's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me on another journey through the multi-lens. I'm your host, Casey How's everybody doing today? Hopefully everybody's doing good. Today's episode is a special one. Today we are going to be talking about some of the issues that are going on in some of the international countries, specifically in Nigeria, and some of the civil unrest that's going on. Um, we know that here in the U.S., it's kind of relevant to t- today's times, because here in the U.S. there's been a lot of protests and a lot of... Uh, racial inequality and, and, and issues between the people and the government. And we see some similarities to that over in Nigeria. Um, would really be great to kind of uh, talk about and listen to firsthand accounts from people that have either experienced it or have friends and family that have experienced it. So today I brought in a few guests and I'm really excited to have you guys all on. Some are student athletes, some are musicians, but basically all of the guests that I brought on today have some kind of experience with what's going on internationally and domestically. So without further ado, everyone, welcome to the show. Kaladi, can you please introduce yourself and tell us what it is that you are studying at OSU? Hi guys, what's going on? Uh, my name is Kaladi and I go by the artist name K. So um, I'm currently studying communication and I'm a senior, so I'm going into my final year. I was on a soccer team from 2017, and I've recently just finished my time period there, and obviously going into working on my brand and diving into the creative process of music and media. Oh, nice. Well, welcome to the show, Kaladi. Next, we here we have we have Basit. Is that how you pronounce your name? Yeah, Basit. Basit. Yeah, um, hello, everyone. My name is Abdul Basit. But I go by Big Bass. Um, I'm uh, I'm an international student. Um, I'm a sophomore right now, so I'm just like in the middle of my college process. You know? Well, welcome to the show, man. Last we have here, Booba. Yeah, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Booba Joshua, and my artist name is Booba J. Uh, I'm an international student in OSU. And I'm studying business management and uh, a minor in uh, psychology. And also I'm in my senior year as well. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Last but not least, we have Raheem. Raheem, welcome to the show. Tell us a little about yourself. Hello, my name is Raheem Taylor Parks. Um, I'm a senior at Oregon State. Um, I'm on the men's soccer team here. And um, I'm happy to introduce, you know, the Mandem music here on the show with Case. Thanks for Case for giving us the opportunity today. Of course, man. All you guys are from Nigeria? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Except for Raheem. Raheem, where are you from? Me, I'm from Toronto, Canada. Uh, I relocated to Tampa, Florida when I was eight years old. But uh, kind of like an international story as well. My parents are Jamaican. Uh, Very close cultural similarities to Nigeria as well. So I could kind of relate. Oh, nice. Okay, so you would say that the Jamaican culture and the Nigerian culture are very similar? Very, very similar. Very similar. Interesting. <laughs> very similar. Okay. So that's cool. So you guys probably hit it off right in the beginning when you guys met each other. Mm-hmm. It didn't that's even cool. take five minutes, man. The guy's too funny. As soon as I met Raheem, I was like, man, you might need to start your own show, man. Um, okay, well, well let's, so so talk to me. Um, let's start with, since we did it with the introductions, we're just going to start with you, Kaladi. Tell me, what made you decide to come to the U.S. when you were studying in high school? And at what point, like, how old were you when you're like, you know what, um, I, I want to go to the United States? My, my story is kind of complex because I didn't really come straight from Nigeria to the U.S. Okay. So I was born uh-huh. in Nigeria. 
and obviously studied there. I went to Bodiger International School. Um, and then my parents, obviously my mum lived in England and my dad was obviously quite occupied with a lot of work in Nigeria. So I moved to England with my mum. And then when I got to England was when I was just kind of into sport and kind of sport just took me to a lot of places. So I ended up signing for a club in the Division 2 called Ipswich Town. And they're quite a well-known club. And through there is where I kind of got the scholarship opportunity to come out to the United States. But I think what really pushed me, because at that stage of my life, um, I could have made the decision whether to obviously continue playing football at the highest standard in England and not obviously get any education. And um, I didn't really want the input of anyone else. So I kind of looked at my surroundings and the people who are around me and the sort of things that were happening in London at the time. And all I ever had was things that I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be like no one else. I didn't want to have the same sort of story as anyone else. And I just kind of thought, you know what? I'm going to go out to America. I'm going to obviously play football. I'm going to get educated. And I'm going to obviously become a man out there. So um, I, I think those are all the things that kind of pushed me to moving out to America. And obviously, like, three and a half years into the journey now, I think it's the best decision I've ever made in my life because now I'm doing everything that I love. So, yeah. Well, that's amazing. And now I do want to get back later to um, the education that you're receiving here and what you want to do with it later in the show. So I'll remind you of that later. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Basit. Tell us your story and how you ended up, you know, coming to the U.S. and going to school here. Okay, yeah. So I went to school in Nigeria. I did high school in Nigeria. Okay. Done with high school in 2016. I moved to England for A-levels is what they call it there, where it's yeah. like pre-degree, like college. Right, the IGCSE program? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that, but like more advanced. Yeah, so I was- Isn't the IGCSE the ninth and 10th, and then A-levels are 11 and 12? No, actually it's like in Nigeria, high school is actually six years. So we actually go all the way to like year 12. So yeah, so I did like the six years of high school, but then I- um. I still wasn't old enough to go to college. So I had to like do two years of A-levels. Oh. This is what I did. And then after that, I could have decided to go to school in England, which was the plan. But then due to some circumstances and like better opportunities in America and all that, yeah, I just decided to come to school in America. So the original plan was for you to finish your O-levels and A-levels and then go to uh, London and play football or just go and study there study there yeah. just go and study there nice yeah. okay all right well, well we'll come back to uh, some of that stuff down the road um well while you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you ended up here in the U.S. uh basically uh I did my high school in Nigeria I was born and I grew up in Nigeria and along the line after I graduated I went to Canada to start my foundation Mm. Uh, for myself and uh, initially I was supposed to stay in Canada and finish up my whole degree and whatever I wanted to do there but when I was there it kind of felt kind of um, I didn't have no focus there it was just more of uh, uh, me just wanting to do what I wanted to do and not having to do what I need to do so uh, coming to America I, I applied to go to OSU and I got a scholarship here and uh, I found it to be a place I would be able to like focus and, you know, 
go through school and probably eventually go back to Canada when I'm done from here. So. Oh, okay. So you, you don't have plans on moving back to Nigeria. You might move back to Canada. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely move back to Nigeria after uh, my studies. And once I feel like I'm ready to, you know, go back and uh, be in that environment and, and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Raheem, tell us about yourself a little bit. I mean, I know that story's a little different, but uh, we definitely want to hear it. Yeah. So, um, so I was uh, born in Toronto, Canada. Uh, my parents uh, immigrated there from uh, Jamaica when I was young. So I was born in Canada. Uh, I lived there until I was nine years old. Then we relocated to Florida in 2008. Um, I started picking up soccer like at age eight or nine. I played I played for one year in Canada. And then I started playing in the, uh, in the United States. I joined like a small local club. You know, uh, I mean, I was literally like the only black kid on my team. And like in the South, too, the parents would just be like, go, Raheem, run for the ball and stuff. Like, it's funny. But uh, that's kind of like background I come from. Uh, I actually started getting very good. I uh, started playing for like the youth national teams of the United States and uh, Canada as well. Um, from there, kind of got scouted to go to, to the Philadelphia Union Academy, uh, which is like an MLS team. So every MLS team, which is professional soccer in the United States. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, they have their own like academy team that goes from like around U12 to under 18. Um, mm -hmm. And then when you go from when you go when you reach under 18, you either sign professionally and they select a few guys or you either get an opportunity to go to college. So I originally got a scholarship to attend the University of Virginia, which I was there for two years. And then uh, I came to Oregon State because uh, my assistant coach at uh, Virginia actually became the head coach here at Oregon State. So I followed him just, you know, in pursuing more playing time and more opportunities. So that's kind of what took me here to, uh, to OSU. Well, that's interesting, man. I'll tell you what, they, we all have crazy stories. I mean, not, not to, to shift the focus in any way, but I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas, and I moved to the country of Jordan at the age of eight, and I lived there until I graduated high school. But it's, it's, I, I understand the, the moving around and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, um, I personally think it's tough in some ways, but it really makes us cosmopolitan. Would you guys agree? Would you guys, do you guys feel like because you've moved around so much, because you've experienced so much traveling and stuff that you're able to talk to and communicate with all walks of life? Would you guys agree to that? Yeah. America is such a big country that, you know, people go when they travel far, they're traveling from coast to coast. But when you actually travel internationally and see the different cultures, I think it gives your mind, it widens your mind and, and, and helps you accept other people. Which is yeah. why we're here to talk today. Definitely. Marginalized people are not being accepted worldwide, right? And and whether it's a nationalistic movement or it's a racist-backed movement here in the U.S., we it, it just it seems like every country has their their issues. And so I would like to dive a little bit into what is going on in Nigeria. Okay, mm -hmm. now, I know that. Um, there's been a little bit of uh, some police abuse in Nigeria going on. And there's some here too. It's crazy how the tensions are so high. I know that your guys' president, what is his name? Mohammed, um, Mohamedou Buhari? Yeah. Addressed the nation and stuff like that. Do you guys feel like his, him addressing the nation was helpful? Or do you feel like it made things worse? Nah. I wouldn't say... 
made things worse. I just feel like they showed how he didn't really care in a way because like it was even meant to be like a live um show of the what he was of the interview that he was doing but then it wasn't actually live it was like cut clips that they already took and they just put together and released to the masses as like oh take this and shut up instead of like really addressing what was really happening because in the interview he didn't really address what was going on he didn't talk about the people that had died what was happening he just said oh we're gonna try and create some reforms he didn't talk about how the police were gonna be dealt with and all that really uh what do you guys think kaladi buba i say that even even uh after he addressed people based on everything that was going on he didn't he didn't really come out to like reason with anyone or he didn't come out to like face the questions that were being thrown at him and stuff like mm-hmm. that. He kind of like ignored everything that it was like, okay, I'm ignoring whatever is going on and I'm going to start looking at um what we need to do as, as the government and not what we need to do for the people. So yeah. he, it was just kind of frustrating that he came and he wasn't even like, um, he didn't try to console even the, uh, the people, that, uh, the families that lost uh, people fighting and stuff like that. So it just made everything uh, very gloomy and and sad. And even to the point that uh, I heard that uh, they were giving curfews in Nigeria and stuff, and which is uh, very frustrating with um, Corona going on and stuff. So there's a lot that really went down that wasn't okay with the whole speech he gave. Kalani, what are your thoughts? I think for me, it kind of just highlights the problem that's going on in Nigeria in terms of people don't care about people. And I feel like what everybody's kind of screaming for, if you kind of break it down, is empathy in terms of the lack of resources, the unfair treatment by those in power, the unfair sharing of the resources. And those who have the knowledge and the power only use it to benefit those that are close to them kind of thing. And the the statement that he gave, it didn't really hold any weight because as Boba said, he didn't address the people. He didn't address those who were involved in all the shootings that they were killing the people. So it's almost like the younger generation who aren't willing to accept the old terms that have been laid, they're still being ignored because the, the people that are in power are still the older generation. So it just kind of shows that like the youth of Nigeria want progress and growth but the older generation, do you know what I mean? They're still stuck in the ways of, you know, dictatorship. And that's not how people want the country to run anymore. Isn't it crazy weird to see the similarities that are going on in Nigeria and here in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Raheem, talk to me about it. I mean, hearing this from uh, your friends and, and, and living it in the United States, I mean, this seems to be almost identical to what we're facing right now here in the U.S., I think the only difference is uh, the skin color. I mean, really, like, especially I know there's similarities in Jamaica, too. You know, like black people, I mean, we come from a from a history of being kings and queens. And um, it's just a shame to see us treating each other in this way. I mean, like we're supposed to all be working together, ensuring that we're able to just all strive and thrive together just to see people in power. Just kind of it's kind of like just selling out your own people in order to personally benefit yourself it's just such mm. a shame because all of our countries just have so so much wealth like just the type of like natural uh resources that we have 
everybody could literally just eat like everybody could literally be successful and it's just a shame to see like a small minority group of people be in power and just have the ability to just strip all those economic resources and fund themselves and right. i think it's just pure self just pure selfishness and it's just a pattern that we see in a lot of African nations with a lot of civil unrest. It's, just, it's a pattern that we see in uh, Black Caribbean countries such as Jamaica. And it's just something that we like, it's just something that's been holding us that holding us back for years upon years. Like people will always talk about, you know, white people holding the black man down. But there, there comes to a point where we got to come together ourselves. And when that time comes where we all come together and we're ready for it, that's when the real change will happen. You know, can I add to that? Yeah, please. Really, you see, you see what you're saying there. It's so spot on, and something I've always thought about is that, like, back then, because of how like scarce all the resources were and all the knowledge that people didn't have, it was almost like, well, if I have access to this, I'm doing this for my own benefit, and you guys have to figure it out yourself. But mm-hmm. now we're in a generation where we've been given access to the information. We know where the resources are. We know who dictates what, do you know what I mean? So it's like, everything's out and open and people are kind of tired of living that like, oh, I'm struggling, I'm struggling kind of lifestyle. So what in terms of what Raheem is saying, the selfish habits that a lot of black nations and communities have developed is kind of like it's something that has to be broken if anything's going to happen in terms of progress. So for the sake of the listeners, uh, can we say that the tensions that are happening in Nigeria are based on ethnic and religious uh, issues? Is it the, the people just don't want to be in poverty anymore? Or is it fueled from religion and just a different uh, subgroup or subculture within the Nigerian culture? I feel like once it comes to like the Nigerian people as a whole, uh, there has a lot of people who are like literally almost every, everywhere in the world you go, you meet like a Nigerian person there. So we have seen what's out there in the world and we have seen, um, we have seen what the world is being able to like give people uh, once uh, things are being put in order and, uh, and everyone is being, uh, everyone's following the system. Uh, once we see uh, other uh, parts of the world uh, progressing, we as Nigerians, we also want the same. The government doesn't want to allow that. So they, as Koladi said that back in the day, that people just want to strive for, them, uh, for themselves instead of like, what makes the whole community better or what makes everything move. A lot of these African countries have so many resources that should make them be big industrialized uh, places that everyone should want to visit and people should want to go. And we're in 2020 where everything is very modernized and for us to still be living like we, uh, we are living back in the 90s and stuff like that, it doesn't feel right. And that's what people are trying to like change. So it's more of a progressive movement Exactly. And that's causing big issues. So the unrest that happened, um, I know that people were getting getting shot and killed in Nigeria just recently. And the military, I think it was, was um, just straight shooting up people. Is this true? Do you guys? I'm going to answer this one. Yes, it is. It was at a protest that was happening in um in Lekki, and it was a peaceful protest. Everyone was just there. It was at around like 7 p.m. Uh, Everyone was at the toll gate because they were literally, they had the protest at the toll gate to stop people from like going past, like cars going past or getting to the other side. But it was peaceful because there was also a curfew put in place. So like 
everyone, no one is there at that time. Yeah. And the curfew was put in place for 10 p.m. But then this was still like 7 p.m. in the evening. So people were still allowed to be outside protesting. But then it was literally like a whole setup, like a plan, because they came and like they turned off all the lights that were there. And like it was like they planned it, they took off the cameras. And they just came and like started shooting people. So it was like they planned it to come and do this because they didn't want the people to be there at that time because they didn't want them to protest. I mean, according to the National Human Rights Commission, they're saying that on March 30th, 18 people were killed by the police during that during that whole incident. You know, they're saying that this isn't a new phenomenon and that the Nigerian police have been notorious for abusing human rights and their brutality for years now it's been going on since like 2017 that's when the whole SARS thing really started and that's when they really started killing people but then it wasn't really known or it wasn't really out there or like the awareness for it wasn't out there but like the people that lived there knew what was happening I think it's just the world that's really knowing now what's happening but then it's really an old thing well talk to me guys about you coming to the U.S. and seeing all of the the murders of innocent black men and some women, um, you know, you guys at home, it's like this. And then you come to this land of supposed freedom and this land of opportunity, which there is freedom and opportunity, but do you guys feel still like unsafe here in the U S I would say, yeah, def- definitely there is. Cause obviously there's the evidence that everyone's dying and you know what I'm saying? Um, as an international, I feel like you have a bit of a leeway as soon as people hear you speak. So that's one aspect of it. But if you look at it in a collective, like you don't really feel safe. And it's like a it's like a worldwide thing. Anytime you see a, a police officer as a black guy, there's always a worry of is he gonna double double check whatever I'm doing? Is he gonna Do you feel like that in London? Me? Oh, 100, 100 million percent. Really? Yeah. As in like London police officers. I would say I'm not as scared, but I'm still as wary. You see what I'm saying? So it's like them them sort of things are things that like as a human being, you shouldn't even have to worry about. Because if I ask my, because my, I have loads of friends from different other races. And if I ask them, how do you feel when you see a police officer? To them, it's just like seeing any other person. But to people like us, when you see a police officer, there's there's a sense of worry. There's a sense of, I don't know the next decision that's going to happen or whatever decision he's going to take that's based on my life. And for me, being in America, when all of this stuff is happening, it kind of makes you think that like some people don't even view you as equal. Do you know what I mean? And you shouldn't, you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't ever feel like that. Do you know what I mean? Because naturally, if you feel like that, the way you're going to move on a day-to-day basis is going to, do you know what I mean? It's going to be a negative. Whereas if your mind is free and you can do whatever you want and feel like everybody in the environment is for you, you're going to behave in such a way where your mind is free to create and be happy all the time. So there's definitely huge social effects that happens based on all of the things that's happening. I think I think um, it's very interesting that um, the Nigerian police and like when we talk about police brutality in the United States, most of the cases are a white cop shoots a black male. Whereas in in uh, Nigeria or other African nations, you got a black cop shooting his his own, a black male. And it's just like 
a main, a main, a very main component of that is a position of power. Mm. And just the position of power that when you're in a, a position of authority, what you do with that authority and what you could get away with. And it's, and we could say like, yeah, police brutality, like it's a race thing, but it's also a very thing about authority and power. And how do you, how are, how do people, how are people in authority? How are they supposed to police people that are, that they think are below them, but we're all supposed to be the same. We're all supposed to be citizens, but how, how are you going to police someone if you don't even see them as equal to you, then you're going to see them as something less than you. And it's just, it's just a, that's just one of the main components of it. Like just abuse of power. Well, the sad thing is, is that, you know, uh, you know, it's like wherever you go now, right? I mean, you can't feel safe in any country. And even in here in our own home country and y'all's own home country, it seems like it's this constant battle that um, members of the black community have to go through. And I think it's just, I just, it, it shocks me at we're supposed to be modern people and still thinking this way and still having these issues is mind boggling. And so that leads me to my next question, guys. I want to know, do you feel like you guys can express yourselves more here in the U.S. than you can in Nigeria, for instance? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I don't, want, if, I don't want anybody to, I mean, I don't want this to get back to Nigeria and anybody get in trouble with the government. Be honest with you. And if you're comfortable answering this question, I would like to know. I'll give I'll give a quick answer because I feel like Bubba and Bass will have a more detailed answer. I feel like for all four of us, because obviously all of us are friends, obviously out of whatever this is and the interview and whatever, I feel like all of us are naturally, we're all people who try to show others that you can express yourself and just be yourself on a day-to-day basis. So I feel like if, it doesn't matter what kind of surroundings we're in, I feel like the way we try to, you know, live and speak kind of shows for that, you know what I mean, in terms of expressing yourself. But in terms of vocalising stuff like political things, vocalising racial things and them sort of things, I feel like it's easier to do it abroad in terms of Europe, America, all of them sort of places, because there's voices that are willing to listen and Mm. voices that are willing to create that change. Whereas when you're in places like Nigeria, the first thing they're going to tell you is shut up. Who do you think you are? Do you know what I mean? Because the thing is, they don't see you as a person that holds any authority, going back to what Raheem says. And when they view you in that way, it's almost like your voice, you have a voice for speaking, but your voice doesn't hold any, you know, any weight in terms of developing meaning and creating change. So that's how I see it. Interesting. You guys have anything to add to that, Buba and, and Basit? Yeah, based on what Kaladi said about like they're not willing to listen to you. Oh, like, calling yeah. me Kaladi. Call me Cole. You're not going to be Cole. Use Kaladi. Call me Cole. Call him by his government name. You go edit, edit that out. Edit that, I'll edit that, I'll edit that out. I got you. Any, anytime you don't call me, they don't call me Kaladi. Only people who don't know me call me Kaladi. <laughs> All right, so so go ahead. Yeah, based on what Cole was saying, that here it's easier to express yourself because people are willing to listen. Yeah, because like back home, they feel like you have to have something or have something to offer them 
before they would actually listen to you. Whereas here, whatever you have to say, they would actually listen to you first before making a decision. Interesting. Yeah. Buba, you have anything to add to that? Do you feel like you can express yourself better here in the U.S. than you could potentially in, in, in Nigeria? I feel like, I feel like yeah, like based on what they said, I probably have the same answers as well. Because, you know, back home is always like, um, as a normal person, what you're saying doesn't hold weight or nothing. But if you're more like, uh, if you're someone who's like uh, got something to, off- to offer, then you definitely be able to, uh, because, uh, because at that point you'd be speaking for a whole lot of people and not just uh, what you're just saying and stuff like that. But like here, I feel like you're, you're able to like voice out your individual thoughts and everything is being taken and, you know, being considered and uh, stuff like that. So with, with that being said, guys, how have you guys expressed yourselves here in the U.S.? Via music, via protest, via stuff like this? I mean, how is it that you guys are expressing yourselves to get um, to the largest amount of people? I would say music is definitely an outlet okay. for us. Because um, I remember when, you know, all the police retaliation was at a very high poignant uh, stage. Well, I feel, I remember all of us just, just feeling very down. Being in a the studio, there weren't really no no positive vibes and anything. Kind of, um, for, especially for me, like social media, because there was so much people advocating, and obviously because it was a positive movement and whatever. For me, it was just kind of like it was a way. It was it, music was a way to kind of you know express the pain and answer questions like why are things like this and why aren't they the way they're supposed to be in terms of valuing each other as human beings in terms of showing love to each other so I feel like music is definitely an outlet in terms of showing how we feel about situations and asking the questions yeah I feel like especially for them like I don't think people realize how difficult it was for a time for young black people during that time period because you had COVID going on people were trapped in their homes and all you could do is just be on your phone all day and just see the updates of just young black men or black women your age just dying just being killed by people who are not supposed to be killing them we're supposed to be protecting them and it's like you were just thinking to yourself like that could have been me that could have been that could have been Cole. that could have been Basit. that could have been booba that could have been one of my friends like and it was just like you were just trapped in your house and you're just on your phone i remember just being on my phone one day for like the whole day like nine ten hours and i was just like you know i need a break from all this and for them I feel like through their music, they're able to express themselves, get away from all that kind of just whether that be sometimes the music wasn't even really about the movement. It could have been something about something else because it was, there's there's just sometimes where it's just so overwhelming that you don't want to just keep on thinking about it and making music about it. You just want to take yourself away from that. So I think they did a great job in like just making their music just more diverse during that time period, like just uh rapping and singing about different topics other than that and that's what really got their mind off of it because mm-hmm. just be just how stressful it was as a young black man to just be seeing that stuff every single day it, it, it was just heartbreaking and it was just very hard on the mental like so i think their music was just a great way for them to just get away from that well now that you've brought that up i'm glad you did this is a perfect segue into talking about music because music is poetry and poetry is a reflection of your reality right it is what you see and and what you you comprehend and then and then recite and say out so 
So I'm glad that you mm. that you brought this up. Let me talk to you guys about Pattern Up. I got uh, uh, Raheem sent me a couple tracks, and the ones I liked the most were the People of Color and Pattern Up. Now, did all three of you guys record that? Yeah. Tell them a little bit about like the creative process of like making your songs. Cause I've been there personally and these guys are dope, man. They're very creative. Um, and yeah. the, when they're in the studio, they do their own music. They do their own mixing and mastering. Like, I don't think people realize how hard that process is. And they've learned it from head to toe by themselves on the computer every day, listening to their music, re-listening it to it over and over. And sometimes I've seen them bust out a couple songs in like an hour or two. So these guys are, are great, man. They're, <laughs> do I have you guys' permission to play this on the radio? Okay, so let's go ahead and take a listen and then you guys can talk to me about it afterwards. We're going to go ahead and listen to Pattern Up. Trying to make it on the table, making moves out of way on the tables. Break the rules, I ain't saying. But when we breaking bread, I be chasing. Crazy, I ain't got no patience. Taking all the pain, I be craving. The nurse, cause the money feel amazing. Undressed, I don't even gotta pay for it. Don't touch that, big pass that. Say she was a lover, but I tell her I'm a sinner. Bad shot make my brain scatter. She's so sweet, so I call her senorita. Damn, man. All right, I see. Is this queso? Okay. Hey. Man, all right, so talk to me about it. First off, tell me what inspired you guys to do this song. Booba, explain. Um, Holla at us, Booba. I, I don't even know. Initially, I was just searching for beats online. And when I heard it, I just want to voice out a lot of things into the air, like, you know, just to help myself be sane. That's how it came about. And then I got the beat online and I did it. But we didn't really get to finish it for a while because it was a really old song. But then we brought it back over uh, a period of time and we decided to finish it together and stuff like that. So I have another track here um, that was sent to me. Thank you, Raheem, called People of Color. Mm. Um, let's take a listen to that one. Oh, see. Tracks today. Get it. Are you gonna sit and let another man die? 
Aya in the street, if I but we go fight. Word on the street is an eye for an eye. Demons in the sleep, I wake up, them I in disguise. Praying for the time, everything gonna be alright. Color on my skin, the way I should be alive. Living and breathing, but got to fight for you, my rights. Are you gonna fight for your right? They take away the ones that I wish to stay. I wanna know why you make me feel this way. Rise on my freedom, it's causing me pain. Take it to the top, and I'm flying away. Come and stand and work and drop in something, just relaxing. Careful, officer coming. Careful, the guns are landing. How we gonna enter the race? How you gonna cancel my race? What do we do to your mama? What do we do to your father? As you say, do you see a young black king or a Do you see a young black boy in a rocker for the drama? Smile full of bullshit, diamond. We just wanna get our shine on. I will stay fighting for freedom. May the rest of them live on. I pray that we enter the kingdom. They take away the ones that I wish to stay. I wanna know why you make me feel this way. Rise of my freedom is causing me pain. Take it to pop and I'm finding way. Mr. Police, we are now people you can't kill on the streets. And I don't want to hear what the delish. Top description is keeping the base. How come my mind is never at ease? When they stop and we're on our knees. I went to office, I guess off his knees. Taking the place is a human being. I mean, wow, guys, I mean, honestly, forget about the lyrics, forget about the beat, the engineering behind it. You guys really knew how know how to master the engineering lines. I mean, this the quality is amazing. So props to that on the quality, sound quality, and the way you guys put it together. Where did you guys record this at? In the living room. No, I'm literally playing worry. FIFA. I'm literally playing FIFA in the background while they're doing. As they're recording it. Never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, that's what's up. So, so let me ask you this: Are you guys? Is this what you guys want to do? Is this what you guys want to be as musicians? I think for all of us here, we value the creative process of art kind of thing. And I feel like that's what kind of brought us together in terms of, you know, taking towards art and creating something that's beautiful and not just doing it in a way that anyone else is doing it. So like me being here, working here right now, you know, doing collabs, Bubba and Bass obviously back in Corvallis at the moment. Still, we're still sending each other things to work on. So I feel like at this moment in time, it's definitely what we want to do because it's what we believe in kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? And if you're not doing anything that you don't believe in and that you're happy with kind of thing, there's no point doing it. So I feel like everybody should just, you know, be ready for a lot of things that are coming because, you know, this is more than just a little hobby now. It's, it's literally what we want to do kind of thing. Basit and Buba, do you guys, do you agree you guys want to be yeah. musicians? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the creation of music and 
being able to like make a sound to me is like I'm even speechless because like when I speak about it sometimes it gets <laughs> basically you're saying that music gets you to a place that you can't get to unless you're going through the music and writing is that yeah, what you're trying to say definitely yeah I, I understand that's amazing for me I would just say that music because I just started music recently like actually I didn't used to do music before I met like Mandem they were the ones that put me on so I would just mm. say music is like another outlet of me expressing myself and it is something I would like to do in the future as like a job or like one of my jobs. Okay. Yeah. Um let me ask you this real quick. Um what what's the name of you guys' group? Mandem? Yeah Mandem. Mm-hmm. How do you spell that? We actually write it like MDM, but like yeah. we just call it a Mandem. Mandem like- what does it mean? Nah, nah, it's so, Mandem so in Caribbean. It's, yeah, it's like oh, it's, it's like literally it's like Toronto slang, London slang, Caribbean slang. So Mandem literally means like you're chilling with your homies. So like someone's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm with the Mandem." That means you're oh, with your boys. Like I'm chilling okay. with the Mandem. So oh, I mean, it's so- it's a pretty it's a pretty it's a pretty dope name because it's like in Toronto culture and London culture it's all mixed together. And then you have the Nigerians and Caribbeans that come together. So we all kind of understand the mm. same lingo. So it's like, yeah, so I'm with the Mandem. Like, it's like, you well, already know what it is. I mean, honestly, this is some good stuff, man. And I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting here interviewing you guys. Like I was, I was digging, like I was digging both songs in different ways. Like the first song I, I was getting hype. I was, I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. And then this song, I felt like, you know, okay, I'm about to be told a story, mm. you know? And and uh, I think that's both very intense. Um, before I wrap this conversation up and this interview up, I want to ask you guys one last thing. So when you guys get close to finishing your studies, what is it that you guys have taken from the U.S., whether in education or just through the lifestyle that you're going to take back with you to Nigeria? Something I really learned here is like, the way I wouldn't say there's freedom. So mm-hmm. like everyone is free in expressing themselves and all that. And it's not that's not really something that's coming back home. So that's something like I've learned out here that if I go back home, I would try to like put in my community also to get everyone around me to feel free in expressing themselves and help mm-hmm. them do that. Okay, I like that. That's, that's I mean, this is what traveling and studying abroad is all about, is bringing back wisdom not just knowledge but wisdom to mm-hmm. your community and letting other people benefit from it too booba what do you what do you think that you felt like you have been taught here in the u.s knowledge wisdom lifestyle that you want to take back to your community if you want to go back i'm not saying you guys are going back i'm <laughs> just saying if you guys want to go back what would you take back with you i mean for me going back is 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 a must is a definitely because uh myself i feel like um i'm more of a resource because being out here and being able to like travel as much as I've traveled and being able to see as much as I've seen, I'll be given the opportunity to like, you know, being able to absorb a lot of stuff and grow as a human being. But one of the biggest things for me that I'll be able to take back home is uh, I've learned how to, you know, grow by myself and be more of myself. I'm just, I'm just ready to like go pull back all this knowledge I've learned, all this education I've had, this music experience, and I'm ready to go home and like, just put it in out there. I also want to be doing the things I'm doing here. I want to be able to like do them back home. So mm. I want to be able to like create uh, all opportunities and stuff like that. That's amazing, man. I think that's the beauty of college and 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 going to college in the U- U.S. is that you can do stuff like that, taking it back. Yeah. Kaladi or Cole, 
I think I've gotten to know you enough now. <laughs> yeah, you got to know me enough. It's cold now. It's they cold. Call you cold. <laughs> For me, obviously, because I've lived in Nigeria and like London, two biggest things I've learned that I'm definitely taking back and I'll try to embody is be one is to be yourself and two is anything you put your mind to you can achieve and I feel like I've learned that in America because I've seen people who had nothing and just had a dream and literally they navigated their way towards it and they weren't scared to be in themselves and I feel like that's a that's a skill that the world is slowly losing because of things like social media and you know the opinions of others and wanting to get to you know the top quicker than you know valuing the journey and I feel like especially with basketball and people like Raheem on a day-to-day basis when you when you're actively you know working to better yourself you're always learning as well obviously there's the educational side but I feel like life lessons teach you more and they guide your decisions so those are the two things that I kind of want to show people in England that like being yourself is second to none and having a dream will take you wherever you want to go. So that's amazing, man. I I really like that. Well, guys, it was a pleasure to have you on. Raheem, would you like to give us uh, some final words before we uh, sign off here? First of all, just want to thank Case and 88.7 KBVR Radio. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given us today to all come together. Um, This is Mandem Music. This is their first interview, so I know they'll remember this one for a long time. Uh, Thank you for giving them the the opportunity (laughs) to just kind of express themselves, talk about Nigeria and their music and their passion. Um, I'm very passionate about these guys. I believe in their music. And um, I mean, I know that I'm going to do my best to push their music in any way possible. So thank you for giving us this opportunity, oh, Case, to all come, all come together today. Hey, uh, man, we're the ones everything. who are honored to have you guys on. Yeah. Seriously. Thank I mean, so I, much, just, Case, I, just, I just hope that when you guys are internationally famous, you know, let me get in another interview, you know, help me out. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> no uh, doubt. Can you Appreciate guys give me, give me your social media platforms? Uh, tell it to everybody. Because this is also going on to the radio. So everybody on the radio on 88.7 is going to hear this. So. Go ahead, uh, Cole, and give us your um, what what media platform are you on the most? Insta, uh, Instagram. Twitter? So oh, I use Instagram the most. My personal Instagram is at underscore underscore Kesol. So that's K S U L, and then we've got our Mandem Instagram, which is MDM Music. MDM Music. It's just MDM Music underscore. MDM Music underscore. Okay, Basit, what's your uh, Instagram? You on the gram? Yeah, my Instagram is Big Bass Double O. So like two O's at the end. So B I G B A S S. No, B I G B A S O O. Oh. Zero zero. Zero zero. Zero zero. Okay. Um, and then uh Booba. And mine is uh my Instagram is Booba Joshua. So B U B A Booba underscore Joshua. Joshua, nice. And Raheem. Uh, mine is underscore Rahimovic, so R A H E M O V I C underscore. Uh, it's just a soccer name that I. That oh, no, I know me. Ibrahimovic. Yeah, no, no, yeah no. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For the fans out there who don't he know, he said Rahimovic. Yeah. I like hey, it. You know this guy. I'm out here signing Russian in that. Rahimovic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here trying to make people think I'm Russian in that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
And you probably was like, man, your name ain't your name is. Yeah, he was sending it to me for ages. Yeah. Like, nah, man. So, so, some people come up to me like, girls would be like, oh, are, are you Rahimovich? Yeah, yeah, All right, guys. Well, um, I'll be in contact with you guys soon about the music to put on the radio. Uh, once again, thank you for coming to the show, uh, Cole. AKA Kaladi, Abdul Basit, Buba, Rahim, you guys have been so awesome. I love the fact that you guys were able to share all the information so that people out there, not only in Oregon, but internationally, can hear what it's like to be a musician and person who's expressing themselves um, and, and their reality in 2020 in such a hard time. So, once again, thank you for coming to the show. Everyone out there, thank you for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Once again, this is Casey Losey, the host of Through the Multi Lens. And as always, keep believing in yourself, and I'll see you next week.